It's Cookie Lab. Hi, and welcome to Cookie Lab. I'm Jill. And I'm Chris. And welcome to week three of Chocolate Chip Cookie Month. So How sweet it is. Delicious a month this is. And we have just spent the last week eating cookie after cookie after cookie. And uh, I think we're better people for it. Well, uh, we have better tu- we have better chubby tummies. Yeah. We did our stoutness exercises. <laughs> exactly. Our poo-shaped physiques are getting even <laughs> pooier. But <laughs> I think we're becoming pretty good at tasting chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, if there were if there were medals for that, we would have a whole trophy case to display. Usually we alternate here. You bake something one week, I bake something the next week. This week we are doing another Chris episode. It so um, happens to be two Chris cookies in a row. It's okay. There's no plan to that. It's just how the baking went. We do promise that... For those people who are keeping track, there will be more Jill baking too. Oh yeah, it all, it all it all works out in the end. This week, I was looking for classic chocolate chip cookie recipes, and you know there are a ton out there. If you go on the internet, you can find a lot of taste tests that people have had, where they you know they get ten cookies and they ha- get ten friends or 11 friends, even better, and they each taste one of the cookies, and then they rank them. And so there's one cookie that keeps coming up again and again and again in all of these taste tests. And ironically, today, in the New York Times, as we are recording this, this cookie recipe came up again in the morning edition of the New York Times. Oh, what did it say? As the cookie to bake for this weekend. And so, here it is. It is, what cookie would the New York Times publish to try? All the chips that are fit to eat. That's it. The New York Times chocolate chip cookie recipe by Jacques Torres. Oh. Have you ever heard of this recipe? I heard of this recipe once before when we were planning chocolate chip cookie month and you said, I'm going to make the New York Times cookie recipe. And I said, that's going to be highfalutin and I want nothing to do with it. Even though... I am a reader of the New York Times, and the New York Times 24 Days of Cookies is what originally inspired me to get involved with Cookie Lab. Yes. So why I had that reaction, maybe we'll have to, you know, I can get into that with my therapist, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it was a bit highfalutin. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I do feel like, well, the Toll House chocolate chip cookie is perfect. Why would we need the New York Times or anyone to get involved? But... I eagerly anticipate trying the cookie. So I would say for me, my problem with the Toll House cookie is that it's a bit cakier than yeah, I want it to be. You are anti-cakey. Yeah. And the cookie from last week, the world's best cookie, is, was a little too flat for me. A little too chewy, if there is such a thing. And, too, and it falls apart too easily. Okay. So I was hoping that this cookie would be a happy medium. I'm on a search 
particularly for your family who has said that they have not met a gluten-free cookie that is... Gluten-free chocolate chip cookie. Gluten-free chocolate chip cookie that meets their standard. I don't know what their standard is, but... I imagine so I have pretty Chris, high So when Chris standards. says my family, he's referring to not the family that I have in my house, but some cousin family that have a person who has celiac disease and they love to cook and bake and that's who's looking for a better gluten-free chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. We have two things before the last two episodes of the month. Okay. We have to find that good standalone cookie. Uh-huh. And we also are going to end with a request from one of our listeners at the very beginning of Cookie Lab, and we promised her that we would do this. Do you remember what that was? No. Chip Witches. Oh. That's going to be a party. That requires a pretty solid chocolate chip cookie that's slightly crunchy. Yeah, no cookie that we've made so far in chocolate chip cookie month would would stand up to that kind of pressure i don't think yeah yeah so that's going to take a lot of laboratory what are we going to do my goodness that, that might be a whole extra behind the scenes we might need video. to hire a postdoc for cookie lab yeah maybe a post dachshund <laughs> <laughs> but Let's uh, look at Jacques Therese's New York Times cookie. The backstory here is, you know, Jacques Therese is a famous pastry chef. I've not heard of Mr. Torres, so I'm pleased to be introduced. The New York Times published his recipe back in 2008, and it started a mini revolution in chocolate chip cookie baking because he let his dough sit for 20 four hours or more before baking the dough and the thought about that is that it is a much more flavorful dough Mm -hmm. the flavors have a time to meld and develop and kind of like when you make stew and it's just better the next day exactly and i will tell you that after 24 hours in the refrigerator it was a whole heck of a lot of a different dough it went Mm -hmm. in pretty wet and it Mm -hmm. came out pretty hard and crumbly Mm, crumbly yeah Yeah, crumbly it stayed together nicely but it it would break apart really easily so which is it when i put my cookie scoop in there flakes of it would come off i could take all those flakes and i could put them together nicely into a ball but it was very it was a very odd that sounds odd yeah Yeah, so that I noticed right away. I haven't yet tasted it, so I don't know if it is a flavorful, wonderful cookie. It looks good. It's got a nice volume to it. It has a ton of chocolate chips again. But let me tell you, you said that it was going to be a hoity-toity cookie or something like that. I forget what you said. Yeah, highfalutin. Highfalutin. A highfalutin cookie. Well, this cookie, of course, uses gluten-free flour, but also... I had to figure out extra step in there because it called for eight and a half ounces of cake flour. Okay. And what's different about cake flour? Well, cake flour is much lighter and it turns out that really it's milled differently. Remember Uh back to the... Um, peanut butter cookie episodes with your mom and we were talking about yeah, and the sifting and this was the first time that i had to had to sift 
the flour. Okay. Because again, we wanted to get as much air as possible in there. Okay. So in order to make... So is Mr. Torres telling you to sift the flour? He told me to sift the flour, but also in order to make cake flour, I had to take the regular gluten-free flour. So you didn't go out and buy a box of gluten-free cake flour? No. Because you can do that. You can, but I didn't have the opportunity to do that. Also, guys, Chris is afraid of the grocery store. Yeah. Well, there are lions there and disappointment. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I used just my all-purpose one-to-one gluten-free flour, and I mixed with it cornstarch. Oh, I, I've seen some stuff about cornstarch and, and what it can and cannot do in a cookie. That's interesting. Cornstarch is so fine. It's so silky. Yeah, silky. Right. And so I sifted those together mm -hmm. and I made my own gluten-free cake flour. Right after you put up your beans when you saw the preacher coming. <laughs> and used my own batch of homemade vanilla extract. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of sifting that went into this recipe that I've never, ever, ever, ever done before. So that I expected to make a lighter, airier cookie. And what happened? Well, you can you have the product before Let's eat it. you. And also the extra refrigeration time. And then they were frozen at the end before they were put into the oven once again. So all of this, I was hoping for a more substantial cookie than the world's best cookie that we had last week. Are you ready to and taste it? And let's taste it. What do you it. think? Let's okay. taste it. Just on the visual, I feel like it is a bit of a cross between the OG Toll House cookie and your Entenmann's like self-proclaimed world's best cookie. It's got, it looks like it's going to be chewy gooey but it has some more rise to it some more kind of cracks in the top of it that that indicate you know a drying kind of a little air, airier cookie yeah 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 let's try it okay here we go you can actually hear the bite of this cookie it is beautifully browned on the i edges. like the flavor it's a it's a brown sugar flavor yeah but not overpowering. No, exactly right. Not distracting. You don't get the grittiness of the of the previous two cookies. And I think it browned a little nicer than the world's best. Are these different chips than last week? Or were you consistent with your chips? This had just a few dark chocolate chips in it. Oh, uh, maybe that's what I'm tasting. It called for all dark chocolate chips, but I didn't have all dark chocolate chips. So it's mostly the same dark chocolate chips but just with a quarter of the chocolate chips were dark chocolate chips. But that would have just been a chocolate chip flavor difference. This definitely has richer caramelized, like more mature flavors. Almost so, so far in the course of chocolate chip cookie month, you can imagine how many chocolate chip cookies we've consumed. For this episode that we're recording right now, this is the first time during chocolate chip cookie month that I've consumed the entire cookie on the podcast. <laughs> I what guess... I'm saying here, people, is it was so good I couldn't stop eating it. So much. But for now high... I'm getting like now I'm getting a salt a salt. I mean this. I don't know. I think this might be my new favorite chocolate chip cookie. I think it's close to exactly what my standards would be for a chocolate chip cookie. 
Plus, if you really take your time and taste it, which I, I rarely did. do, I rarely do with a chocolate chip cookie. I'm just eating that. I'm just eating that like puppy. Mainlining it. Yeah. Yeah. It almost has like a bourbony. It has those caramel bourbon notes, which I I didn't expect. So I think the 24 hours. I can't imagine what it would be like if you left it for 36. Hours. Let's try it. Okay. So if you were listening last week, we left you with a cliffhanger. We said this week we were going to discuss the magic temperature of 300. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And 10 degrees Fahrenheit. Are you ready to hear what happens? Yeah, lay it on me, dude. Mm-hmm. It is only the most important science behind a chocolate chip cookie, and it happens at 310 degrees. If you did not bake your cookies to this temperature, they would not taste like chocolate chip cookies at My all. My mind is already real. We ha- you haven't even told me about this, and I feel like we need to rebrand. We need to rebrand Cookie Lab and call it 310 degrees. Mm. Yes, because that. Ha- if this you know is- nothing else about cookies, this is what you need to know. This is true for every cookie. What is the magic? What is the spe- what's so special about 310 degrees? It is the temperature at which the Maillard reaction takes place. A la France? Mm-hmm. Discovered by food scientists. I think you might have mentioned this on a previous episode. I did talk about it when I talked. we talked about caramelization. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do a deep dive. I can tell. Because when we talked about caramelization, we talked about the fact that the sugar changes colors. And a lot of people refer to this as the Milliard effect or, or a reaction. And I said, it's not because that's only sugar caramelizing. It's not the Milliard eff- uh, reaction because in Milliard order reaction? to have the Milliard reaction take place, you have to have sugar combining with amino acids, which come from a protein. And in that caramelization, you don't have that. No, it's just sugar. Right. So at 310 degrees, the sugars that you have put into your cookies combine with the amino acids from the eggs and the butter. Mm-hmm. Once they get together, they form new chemical compounds that produce amazing tastes, smells, textures, and colors. And Maillard reaction is what makes bread smell delicious, gives coffee its nutty flavor, and turns meat brown and flavorful, and makes chocolate chip cookies taste like chocolate chip cookies. This guy is genius. He is. So there are proteins. Ovalbumin is uh, 54% of all the proteins in the egg is called ovalbumin. And there's ovotransferrin and ovomucoid and ovomucin and then a lysozyme. Overall, there are 385 amino acids found in just ovalbumin. Now, remember... What? (laughs) That's so many. I'm like... Chris, the building DNA, the building block of life has like four, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> What's going on in those eggs? Right? They're they're a busy, 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 busy place. So an amino acid that is found both in butter 
and in the egg is lysine. Okay. I'm, I've got my big book of science Oh, he's got here. a big book, guys. He's busting out the big book. <laughs> this is the science and cooking, physics meets food from homemade to haute cuisine by Michael Brenner and Pia Sorensen and David Weitz. And it is one of my go-to references for Cookie Lab. But usually I just take small notes out of it. It has an exciting molecular diagram on the cover and many molecular diagrams inside. And that was just for the Maillard reaction. (laughs) Exactly. So in 1912, by the way, Louis Camille Maillard discovered the Maillard reaction. And he was trying to figure out how biology creates proteins. But instead, he stumbled. He he stumbled upon this reaction, and so let's take the lysine, right? And it's going to combine with glucose, sugar, and it, it takes a lot of heat to do this. So you you need to be at least three hundred and ten degrees Fahrenheit. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the cookie lab. It reacts. It releases water and. It decomposes, so it forms some new compounds, and then they break apart into hundreds of byproducts. Too numerous to name them all, but each one of them is what we could consider a flavor compound. Mm. So there's things like pyrazines and furans and theopines. I mean, I don't even think my taste buds are sensitive enough to distinguish that many flavors. No, probably not individually, no. So what we know is that what the compounds are that are made, and we know exactly what each of those compounds, what kind of flavor profile they have. However, if you don't bake your cookies long enough for the inside of the cookie to get to 310 degrees Fahrenheit. That magic temperature. That magic temperature. You're not going to have the Maillard effect, and you're going to get a much blander cookie. Chris, again, my marketing brain is just in overdrive right now. I think we need to add to our merch on our Big Cartel merch shop yeah. some some Maillard reaction t-shirts. And say, for the love of... Maillard, bake your cookies to 310 degrees Fahrenheit. And then you know how like on the back of the shirts at the at the sports things they have every team in like super tiny print? On the back of the shirt we could have we could list uh, all, all the, hundred the, of the amino acids and proteins involved. Yeah. All of the one hundred byproduct hundreds of byproducts, byproducts exactly from of the Maillard reaction. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. Yeah, if any of our listeners are graphic artists and would like to do that in their free time for free and <laughs> <laughs> and send us one, we will send you, know you a I dozen just have cookies. To apologize for Chris right now because that is something that people think that graphic artists just will just do things for them for free and it's totally insulting to them. We value your work, graphic artists. We do. We will send you cookies. Cookies. We'll pay you in cookies. Exactly. All right. So I have finally spoken of the most important science reaction in cookie making. And it only took 30-some episodes to get there. Can you imagine how long I've been holding back on this? (laughs) 
how did you manage? Right. And I've just been saying, keep your paws off my oh. mill yard reaction. <laughs> Chris is the opposite of me. If I have even like a half half formed thought, I must blurt it. <laughs> Chris has been holding on to this vital information for a year. <laughs> And what I can't hold on to is that next week is going to feature a chocolate chip experience created by Jill that I have not never yet experienced ever in my life. So yeah, you all should tune in for that. Let's tune in for that. And then after that, we're going to end chocolate chip cookie month with the chip witch, but also we, we we have even more ideas for next year for National Chocolate Chip Cookie Month, right? Because do you sometimes like to make a chocolate chip cookie pie that's like just like a big chocolate chip cookie in a pie plate? Sure. sure so yeah. put a pin in that for 2023. Okay. We'll we'll come back next August, we promise. But for now, just take it let's take it one week at a time. Sounds like a plan. Did I say that last week? What what other what other catchphrases are there? Uh, it's a go. It's a go. <laughs> Listeners, you can also write in and, and come up with a new catchphrase for Jill. She needs a, she needs her own catchphrase. No, no, I think it's fine if I just say, keep your paws off my cookies. We'll see you next week. Bye. Do, 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 do. It's Cookie Lab.